slideshow. Just to uh, start, there's my father. He was a cowboy star in the 30s, starred in a lot of movies. His name was Bob Tex Allen. Now I'm going to see whether I can get this to start, and then we'll be in good shape. It worked, and that's good news. Modern technology. This, my daughter gave me her old iPhone. I just thought I'd read my text messages while, you were, uh, while I was talking to you. <laughs> the reason I'm here today is to bless you by helping you teach your uh, children and uh, grandchildren to be media-wise, helping them to choose the good and reject the bad. Um, in that sense, they, I've got a book out there called How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul. I'll bring it up here. And uh, that book really is for people who want to get into Hollywood. And my, that was the box that got here. So there must be somebody here who wants to get into Hollywood. We need more Christians in Hollywood and less Hollywood in the Christians. But the one, one that I wanted you to have was the culture-wise family, and that box did not get here. So um, today we'll have fun, and I'll try to explain it to you in such a way that you can understand, and it'll set you free. We live in the best of times and probably the worst of times, as Charles Dickens said over 150 years ago. We've got some great things going. We can fly off at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to the Dominican Republic and help people who are in need. We can uh, use technology to control this screen back here. We've got a lot of great things happening. And I'm going to start off by telling you some good news, but the good news that I'm going to tell you about refers to the movie industry. The movie industry is the most vulnerable and the biggest part of the entertainment industry. Why do I say it's vulnerable? Because it's a direct vote at the box office. The television industry has not gone in such a positive direction. We'd like it to do that, but that would take much more effort because it's conditioned by advertisers. Once upon a time, after I came to Christ, I grew up as a pagan in the entertainment industry. I came to Christ. I went to a seminary in New York, and I was elected head of the organization that did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe on CBS television. We had 37 million viewers at a time when the United States of America only had 170 million people, and we won an Emmy Award. And uh, I took it back to the ad agency in New York City, Dennis, and they said, well, I mean, it was gigantic. 37 million viewers, if you had it today, they'd call it American Idol. And uh, they said, but it doesn't fit our demographics. And that's the problem that you get in television. So I sold it to some people in Hollywood. Eventually it became a BBC series and eventually it became a movie. It had taken 26 years for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to be made as its first animated television show, which none of you remember because you're too young. But those of you who do, then Doug Gresham, who's the godfather of my uh, granddaughter, said, let's make it as a movie. I said, Doug, if it takes another 26 years, I'm going to be 60 when the movie comes out. And I was 60 when the movie comes out. So I said, how can we redeem the media? I grew up in the media. I grew up in the days when you saw the picture there when the good guys wore white hats and they couldn't even kiss the horse, let alone the girl. And I was wondering... How could we turn it into a wholesome? At the time that uh, my father was an actor, 100% of the films were acceptable for all ages. So I said, what could we do? And I heard the story of the old church film offices, and I heard that they did two things to redeem Hollywood, which I'm going to give you today. One of them is to work with the entertainment industry. We do that. As soon as I touch down in L.A. tomorrow, I've got to meet with one of the heads of Fox, and I meet with one of the heads of Sony, working with the entertainment industry, and I'll explain to you in a moment why the movie industry is open to all this. On the other side of the coin, the most important person in Hollywood, the most powerful person, is not Ted Turner, who lost his network. It's not Michael Eisner, who lost his job. 
It's the 12 to 24-year-old who goes to movies. And last year, just a week ago, as a matter of fact, Gallup said the number of people going to church has gone up to 43%. Well, if you take 43% of 310 million people, that's 146 million people, right? You did that quickly in your mind, right? Think if the children, the 77 million children who belong to that 140 million people decided to choose the good and reject the bad. Go to Captain America instead of Hangover. We would have much more good. So really, when we're pointing fingers to Hollywood, we need to point fingers to ourselves and say we're the ones who can change the world for Jesus Christ. Now, let me get the charts back up here. I'm going to spend a lot of time with these charts. True freedom, casting down vain imaginations. Well, that sounds like Hollywood. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And certainly, uh, you know, we had a singer last night who died, Amy Whitehouse. Anybody hear about that? She was sort of the Gaga, Lady Gaga light, but she had an antipathy for Christians. I just pray, God, this poor woman, because I grew up in the entertainment industry. I was a pagan to think that could be any one of us. I led my father to Christ seven years after I came to Christ. My wife came to Christ five years later. But first, let me tell you some good news. What we do in Hollywood has a tremendous impact because we show them what makes money. We do this detailed report to the entertainment industry. I'm going to give you a snapshot of it. It's sort of like doing a CAT scan of the entertainment industry. I was speaking up at a church in Plymouth, Massachusetts to Paul Jaley's congregation. Paul is about six foot seven. He's young. He had a slight heart fibrillation. He went into the doctor. The, the hospital thought he was going to die. They found with a CAT scan one little nerve that was misfiring. That's what we do with our report to the entertainment industry, and that's why the studio execs want to see us. But here, we'll just show you some of the people we touch base with on a regular basis. I hope the sound is You're watching Movie Guide. I'm Evie Bear. We're going to do some interviews on the red carpet of I Am Number 4. It's proof positive that God exists. It really is. It's, there's no explanation for it. I'm just very blessed. I like that, that we only get one life. Come on, man. I don't know how many sunsets you think you've got left, but you don't have as many as you think. If you're not doing what you want to do, turn it around and do it. Thank you all. I thank you, Ted. I thank you, Movie Guide. And I, uh, I'm amazed. Thank you. God bless. So we invite them to these Movie Guide Awards. The next one is on February 10th. Anybody who wants to join us, any young people who want to be interns, we'd love to have you. At the awards, uh, the Templeton Foundation doesn't pay for all the awards, but they give us the money to give out a $100,000 prize for movies with Christian content and a uh, $100,000 prize for television, a $50,000 prize from tele- for um, first-time screenwriters. And as a matter of fact, we get a lot of people in Hollywood wanting to come. The man I'm going to see on Monday, who's one of the heads of Fox, called up and said, I want to come to your awards to present an award. 
at the award ceremony said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the heads of Warner Brothers came, one of the heads of Samuel Golden, and more people than the man you saw pointing up there in the video, Madison Mason, said, I'm not ashamed. So everybody was competing to tell us that they weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know how deep that goes, Dennis. They probably need your discipleship, but uh, anyway, we try to help them along. We show them what makes money and why. Now, this is the detailed report to the entertainment industry. I was going to talk to you about the Aorist verb in James today, but I decided that that would be uh, preaching instead of teaching. So I'm going to do you a little teaching. What we do here is we look at everything in a film, and we have all these fancy film terms for it. We look at the semantics. That's just a fancy term that they use in film school. I used to be head of a department at Berkeley uh, for the language. And then another one is the syntactics, which is the action just to, uh, so you get your quick film course here in the, in the background. We look at the ontology, which is the nature of being. In Captain America, it's a real world, real pain, real suffering that needs a real savior. In uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's the same thing. In some of the other movies out there, it's a nominalistic world. All you need to know is the magical term. If you need, have to know the magical term, and my parents, who were pagans, thought for many years, they read Edgar Casey and all this stuff, all you need is the magic word and we can do anything. My mother died at 52 when I was 14 and I rejected all religion because I realized that magic does not work and then I found out that Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the reality. So as Christians and Jews we believe in a real world, real pain, real suffering and real truth and that's what makes great movies as a matter of fact. Great movies are great stories well told. I've just met with a filmmaker in Pittsburgh. It's hard. To, he took my uh, blockbuster filmmaker class. We had one person who had done five books on the New York Times best six, excuse me, on the New York Times bestseller list. We get a lot of great people who are taking that class. Who are the heads of studios? Next slide, please. No, keep the slide. Um, they have a positive worldview. Now, most people want good to triumph over evil. My class at Berkeley always says we don't want good to triumph over evil. And I said, well, I like sir. Bergman's last film, Sarabond, it's about five people who hate each other, want to commit suicide, want to die. It's a typical Swedish, very depressing movie. But the, actually, most people have tough lives and they want good to triumph over evil. And when they find out how hard that is, they want inspiration. They want God to come down. Superman, if you remember the Superman movie, took Lois above Metropolis. And you said, uh, he said to Lois, you wrote an article that won you a Pulitzer Prize it said the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying out for a savior. And then you zoom in on a black family in Harlem and they're crying out for their child, say, please save me and uh, please save my baby. And the next one is a man in Ohio saying, please give me my job. So everybody's crying out for a savior. That's what does well. The more immorality you put in a movie, the less money you make at the box office. I'm smiling because yesterday, or two days ago, I met with this filmmaker in Pittsburgh and he wants his next movie to be an R-rated film, and R-rated movies just do not make a lot of money at the box office. 12 to 24-year-old kids, now this comes from the LA Times, who are offending, offended by uh, cussing, sexual material, excessive violence. In other words, the kids are on our side and they just want us to give them guidance. What's happened is we haven't given them the media wisdom, the principles to help them live out their values. The majority of kids want what we have to offer. Now, how do I know that's true? The average Christian website, and we can name all of them, 
Uh, one of them lost 50% of its audience this year, reaches people, because I was with them recently, who are over 57 years old. Nobody in this audience is over 57. Actually, you've got a very young church here. I'm, I'm impressed, Dennis. This is good. You're doing good work. But we get 12 to 24-year-olds at Bowie Guy. We grew up 400% in the last year. We are the most conservative, according to the New York Times, and yet the 12 to 24-year-olds are coming to us. We grew up to 83 million hits, and by January we were 3.3 million uniques, and now we're 4 million uniques. That means the growth rate is going exponentially. The radio growth rate went up to 2 million to 8 million in a brief period of time, and most of those are kids. So you should be encouraged that the kids want the truth that will set them free because we're going to get to a point in this talk about the best of times and the worst of times where you're going to be a little discouraged. So remember this. None of the top-rated movies were R. Now, that's a no-brainer because if we look at the top-rated movies last year, what was number one last year? Toy Story 3. That was an R. And then Megamind, about three little girls who pray for a guy who's a despicable... And despicable me, excuse me. That was despicable me. Then Megamind, then Alice. None of those were R's. We'd go down How to Train Your Dragon. And the more Christian content you put in a movie, the better it does at the box office. This is good news. Every year, Christian content does better at the box office. Recently, I was with Dave Hollis as the head of distribution at Disney. And I said, Dave, you know, you have a Christian missionary who looks a little bit like Dennis, a little younger, in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's carrying a Bible. Blackbeard's daughter says to him, can is my father beyond redemption? And he says, nobody's beyond God's redemption. Has anybody seen Pirates 4 here? Probably not. Oh, few of you. And then at the end of the movie, what does the conquistador say? He says, tear down this pagan temple, the fountain of youth. Only God gives eternal life. So I'm talking to the head of distribution at Disney, and I said, why did you do that? He said, because you show it that it makes more money. And it was the biggest grossing pirates film that they've had so far. Now, when I come to the heartland, I get people, I got it yesterday, who say, well, they just want to make money. And they get upset. But, you know, Paul says we don't care why the gospel is preached, whether it's out of greed or envy, as long as the gospel is preached, because somebody's going to hear that. Let's go to the next slide, please. Those were not surprise hits in my book. And when you get to True Grit, you've got an incredible amount of Christian content there. Andrew Kosov, who did Blindside, did the same thing that the head of Sony did. And when I got his award, his $100,000 award from us, um, he got up here and he had to the podium, and he said, when I came to Hollywood from Princeton, I asked Dr. Bear what I should do, and he said, put faith and values in your films. He said, I put a little bit of faith and values in my dog Skip with a little prayer, and I made a little bit of money. I put a little more in Marley and Me with a longer prayer and made a little more money, and then I put a lot in Blindside and made a lot of money. And I said, Andrew, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm Jewish, but I'm making a lot of money. <laughs> Results? Now, this is really good news. I think this is by the power of God's grace. And you can verify this for yourself in the movie industry very easily. You can go back and get a book that was written in the early 80s called Hollywood Babylon. And it talks about the nadir, the bottom of Hollywood movies when you had all sorts of movies whose title I won't even mention because of the kids in the room. And then he wrote a sequel to it, Hollywood Babylon Revisited, and he was so angry because the number of foul movies had 
started to go down. We see even prayer. I mean, we see what? Church services and up. We see a missionary and pirates. We see six prayers in transformers. We see them hiding out in a cathedral in transformers. If you don't know this, you're not going to movies, which is probably good. Why should we care about this? Because movies, and if Walt was alive today, he'd say iPods, iPhones, whatever else, have a tremendous influence on our youth. The more educated you are, the more concerned you are about the influence of the media. That's why I was elected head of the uh, Center for Art, Religion, Education, Graduate Theological Union, University of California, Berkeley. But the more intelligent your child is, the more influenced they are. Let me say that again. The more intelligent your child is, the more influenced they are. So if you're telling me that your child is watching movies and entertainment and is not influenced, what are you saying to me? Is that true? Your children and grandchildren are picking up their scripts and behavior by what they're watching. There have been 500,000 studies on this. In the 500,000 studies, we have had only one study that says that the media wasn't an influence, and it was done in Canada, of all places, where they don't allow advertising, or they have a minimum of advertising, and uh, they don't believe in advertising. It was paid for by ABC, and it has never been replicated. Now, what we do know is that different people are influenced by different media, and I'll get into that in a second. Some are influenced by violence. Some are influenced by consumerism. Some are influenced by self-esteem. It's like God, you know, he figured this all out before he did uh, seven deadly sins. So the more intelligent the child is with their susceptibility, that's what they're going to be susceptible to. Ten to 16-year-olds who say their peers are influenced by television shows. Sometimes I think the kids who are coming to our websites and the studio executives have more wisdom than some of the grandparents and parents who don't understand that their kids are being influenced. We need to care. If 500,000 studies, minus one, say that the media is having an influence on our kids, they wouldn't pay a couple of million dollars for a 10-second spot on the Super Bowl if they didn't think it sold a Coors beer. Is that right? Why would you pay for that if it didn't do any good? And what does God say? The word won't go forth void. By the time children are 17 years old, they'll spend 63,000 hours with the media. If you get this book, which came out... On May 1st, it says only 40,000 hours. The increase in media use by children is increasing dramatically. They'll spend 11,000 hours in school. One professor at University of California just gave up and turned on the TV and left his classroom. Parents, Cornell says 2,000 hours, and church, 800 hours. Now, where does that 800-hour figure come from? That comes if the child goes one hour every week to church from the week that they're born until they're 17 years old. And, of course, that's an impossibility because even the pastor is going to take off for the next couple of weeks and have fun. (laughs) Sorry, Dennis. (laughs) Boys are influenced by a tremendous amount of violence. And, you know, we know that only 7 to 11% of the boys want to copy the violence. Another large percent, about 30%, want more violence. They don't want to copy it, but they just get... They get hooked on violence, and another group becomes desensitized. The desensitized group is the group that walks by some kid being beaten up. You know, I'm just a teddy bear. My, my daughter says I look like Pooh Bear, which is a great movie, by the way, and I love honey. 
But believe me, as a teddy bear, I was not the guy who was beating up other people. It was the other way around. And I was hoping the kids that were desensitized would take the time to stop and break up the fight. So we should be concerned about this, even if it's only seven There can no longer be any doubt, writes one noted expert at the conclusion of an ambitious 22-year-long study, that heavy exposure to televised violence is one of the causes of aggressive behavior, crime, and violence in society. He goes on to estimate that 10% of all violent crime is directly attributable to related imagery in the popular arts. An estimate considered far too small by respected epidemiologist Dr. Brandon Centerwall. In the Journal of the American Medical Association, Dr. Centerwall suggests that if these types of images had never become pictorially and musically engraved on our national consciousness, violent crime would be cut in half. Violent crime would be cut in half? I was just with somebody in Ohio at a little lake, and he said when he grew up, you know, his father never locked the door, the keys were left in the car. Violent crime would be cut in half if we lived in a godly society where we had self-discipline? Media violence stunts the brain development. This is from University of Indiana. Brain activity in teen with high media violence. The brain is practically asleep. It's affecting the pleasure center. We'll go into that later. And if you take them off violence for three days, their test scores at the University of Indiana went up 100 points or more on the SATs. Think of that. Not only is their brain asleep, but they're performing very poorly in education. I know. I was head of the TV department at City University of New York. At the time I was there, 60% of the entering class at City University of New York was functionally illiterate. This is not good. I was just looking because I get all these things from media connections about media literacy. They said we shouldn't even bother to teach kids algebra anymore. Algebra. Why? They don't use it. Even on the farm, I bet Dennis's father used algebra. Even if it was only intuitively, he could figure out how many bales of hay that they were putting up for the winter and how many they needed for the cattle, etc. So, girls who feel worse about themselves when seeing models and celebrities on TV. Do you know how many girls nine years old are, are getting are bulimic? And last week, there was an article in the LA Times that now parents for their birthday are giving little girls Botox at 9, 10, and 11 because they don't look at the celebrity like the celebrities on TV. We made them idols, Hollywood idols. Civic literacy, if you don't care about the violence, if you don't care about the sex, if you don't care about the self-esteem, if you don't care about the little girls who feel like they don't fit in because they don't look like some character like Amy Whitehouse who just passed on at the age of 27, the more TV you watch, the less civic literacy tests you can ask. What are the civic literacy tests? They asked him how many branches of government are there? How many branches of the federal government are there? Three. What are the three branches? Most of them answered the House, the Senate, and the Presidency. And the more movies, oy vey, children abandoning parents' values. Now that's the most serious thing. I talked at Yale, and the guy who did this study for Cornell was there, wonderful guy, and now it's up to 92% of the children I have met on this trip, day after day, parents who say their children have abandoned their faith. I was staying with two people who drove me up here yesterday whose daughter has abandoned their faith, studied sociology at NYU, that's it. 
Does this concern anybody? My first son, when he went to Wheaton, you know, they assumed that they knew the Bible. They could go on to uh, more advanced courses in exegesis, such as, you know, knowing the Euorus verb in uh, James, which you don't want to hear about because it just carry you in Wheaton. But by the time my third son went to Wheaton, they were giving Bible 101. And the vote at Wheaton during the last election was primarily anti-Christian. So we've drifted tremendously. We need more hot Christians in Hollywood, more Christians with wisdom. As Paul said, we should be in the world but not of the world. We don't want more Hollywood in the Christians. Does anybody agree with this? Good. I'm glad. I'm not, I'm not just preaching the choir. Children abandoning their parents' values. This is a very serious problem, by the way. The Baptists are going on a whole crusade to figure out why they, how they can solve this problem. The rest of the world, if you don't care about our children, has a negative view of America. This is Boston University right after 9-11. They, they think Americans are violent. Uh, they think the women are sexually immoral. They think that they're materialistic. But most of these countries that we looked at here, except for Argentina because my wife's Argentine, Many of them are closed countries. They did every country in the world. Saudi Arabia, my cousin was a, with the State Department in Saudi Arabia. Very closed. You can go only a few miles outside of Riyadh. And when they do a thousand people, most of them had never met in America. Where did they get the idea that Americans are violent, materialistic, sexually immoral? Any idea? Movies and television. What was the first television network that you guys are good that went into Iraq after Saddam Hussein fell? No, MTV. MTV. Do you want me to show you a clip from MTV? Because Dennis will kick me out if I showed you that clip. And that was just a random sampling of 72 hours. Can you imagine how they felt when MTV is there? How did this happen? Well, we'd like to blame Hollywood for it, but during the golden age of Hollywood, after the debauched Roaring Twenties, the church came involved, and within three years... 100% of the movies were G-rated. Mr. Smith went to Washington. It was a wonderful life. The bells of St. Mary rang out across the land. And at that time, my father was a cowboy star, won the box office award. And then what happened? Well, in the 1960s, the church shut down the Protestant film office. It was not the liberals. It was the conservatives. And what happened? You went from The Sound of Music to the first X-rated film. You went from The Greatest Story Ever Told the first Sex and Satanism film, you went from 100% G-rated to 82% R-rated films. So evil will triumph when good men do nothing. I can tell you from growing up in a pagan world, pagans will be pagans unless Christians bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. And Josh McDowell says he's only been witness to twice in his life, once when he came to Christ and once a couple of years later on a plane. He said, why aren't we witnessing to people? What's happened? And Bill Bright, who was one of my first Board of Reference members, says most churches, except yours, the people don't even understand why they're saved. Paul Cedar, who I was talking to yesterday from the Evangelical Free Church, said he told Bill, my church knows because I preach it every weekend. So Bill said, do a study. Only 20% will know why they're saved. He did a study, and only 10% or a little bit more knew why they were saved. So he spent the next few weeks telling them. Well, let's go back to the slides. America changed because we abandoned Hollywood. Hollywood didn't abandon us. Unwed birth rates soared. And if you look at 1960 and backwards, there were very few. 
Hollywood costs families, lost children, broken marriages, godless lifestyles, economic disaster, and I bet every family in this room has been affected by the mass media. The media creates the culture and the culture elects the politicians, but unfortunately, we're paying for this. Every child in this room, 25 years old or younger, has a $340,000 debt on their heads from the federal government. How are they going to pay that $340,000 debt? Where does that debt come from? It comes from a profligate lifestyle. As de Tocqueville said, and I'm going to paraphrase, either you have self-discipline or the whip of tyranny. I'll go, the solution starts with you. We need to redeem Hollywood, which we're trying to do, and we need to teach our children media wisdom. I can give you all the tools. I was just in Korea teaching 880 Christian schools from Albania, from Russia, from all over the world how to teach their kids media wisdom. But you're the ones who have to do it. Five minutes a day. If you love your children, you will tell them to go to bed early. You will tell them how to be media-wise. You will help them. You will get the tools that will change their lives. So in terms of Hollywood... Our gala is a tremendous tool for reaching people, and then throughout the year we work with them to add more Christian content. But the most powerful person I told you is the 12 to 24-year-old. Now here, succinctly, you can't even read that. That's too small. Are the five pillars of media wisdom. I want to go over that quickly with you. One, understand the influence. How many people here think the media has an influence on their lives? Buying things, getting things they don't need. Well, the ones that don't, meet me after the service, and I'll talk to you about it. We'll go over every single study. Now, it's 500,000 studies. I want you to read them all first if you don't believe it, and then we will talk about it. How's that for a deal? Because we can't be ostriches. We can't put our head in the sand. If you drive through Pittsburgh, you see posters that you wouldn't have seen 20, 30, 40 years ago. Understand your children's ages of uh, cognitive development. When children are three to seven, they're in the imagination stage. They're picking up their scripts of behavior. I'm always seeing films, because we review 100% of the films that open in nine theaters or more, that are atrocious where the parents have brought their little children in there. Violent horror films or terrible films. And, you know, they say, oh, it doesn't hurt them. It does. It creates their scripts of behavior. One of the uh, Pittsburghians Uh, Mr. Rogers, who came from Pittsburgh, who was a teacher, once had little kids in his Mr. Rogers playhouse, and he looked at them, and one little girl seemed sad. He said, what's wrong? She said, how did you get out of the TV? (laughs) And he explained the TV works, you know, the cathode ray tube. I was just with a chemist, so we could go through this, and the satellite, and how many miles in geosynchronous orbit. He did the whole thing, 23,300 miles in geosynchronous orbit, He got down and he said, do you understand? And she said, yes, but tears in her eyes. How are you going to get back in the TV so I can watch you this afternoon? Three to seven, the children do not have the ability to discriminate. You have to protect the eyes of innocence. Next. No, keep the slide. That's that's where we want to be. The grammar of the entertainment industry. You know, I write books. I'm on my 20... Ninth book that I've contributed to or written. And we want you to, uh, that keeps us going. But look at me for a minute, everybody. The grammar of the mass media of entertainment works visually, it works differently. So look at me and put your hand on your chin. Would you do that? I want to look at everybody. And most of you have your hand on your cheek, except for this guy here, your son. It's Jim, right? Your son has his hand on his chin. He's actually an auto learner. This girl has her hand. 
I'd say that only 10% had their hand on the chin. So when I hear this baloney from Christian reviewers or elsewhere in Hollywood, and they say, well, the end of the movie had this tremendous redemptive ending after all the sex and violence. I said, well, the kids, did they hear the redemptive ending or did they see the sex and violence? Where are they getting their scripts of behavior? Come on, you, you can figure this out. Fifty years ago when you grew up on the farm, your parents were the role models. That's what you imitated. Today, the role models, the parents are gone. Both of them are working and the role models are the people on TV. And you may not want them to be your role models for your children. Understand your moral, spiritual values. I think that would be easy for this church. Understand your worldview. Understand how to ask the right questions. 75% of the kids, when this study was done, learned through the heart. It's now up to 90% of the kids. They learned through the pleasure center. They learned through the heart. Movies take a little key, open up the heart, and put values in there, whatever they happen to be. You have to understand your values, the doctrine of God. God is almighty, all-powerful. Man is sinful. He's in, not perfectible. How many movies where they say man can be perfected? The doctrine of the church, the doctrine of history, the church of the bride of Christ. There's all of that that you need to know. You need to know how to ask the right questions in media-wise answers. And, for instance, you need to ask, who is the hero? If the hero wins the battle by beating people up and killing people, is that a godly hero? If the hero dies for others, if it's a Christ figure, if he's willing to give up his life, if Thor learns that he has to love others more than himself, if Captain America goes through the same, those are redemptive story arcs. They start to put the the sacred myths into people's hearts that they can rely on to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Aslan dies on the stone table, he breaks the power of evil over Edmund. We have to understand that. Develop your movie standards with your kids. Very important. Seven to 14-year-old boys playing video games. There was a psychologist about two years ago, psychiatrist, excuse me. He was presented with some kids who needed, um, who needed drugs for, uh, for being ADD. How many of you parents have been told by your children that your children and grandchildren need a- are ADD and need drugs? Any of you? A handful of you. He said, don't give them the drugs. Give me two months with the children, and I will transform them. And what did he do? For two months, their brain was working on the pleasure center, shutting down the executive center. He said, limit their gaming to 30 minutes a week. Now, he's not saying to cut it out. He's not being a negative nabob. 30 minutes a week. Is there anything wrong with that? Put them in bed by 9 p.m., give them three nutritious meals, Play outside, even in the rain, the heat, the snow, for an hour a day. When Dennis grew up, you were probably outside most of the day. And engage them in conversation. Do you know the average family only talks to their children for two minutes a day? According to Cornell. That means telling them, go here, go there, do this, do that. Not listening to their problems, not understanding them. After two months, all but one couple... Their children were not ADD. So he talked to the one couple and he said, what's wrong? And they said, well, we thought it would be too hard on our children. It would be unfair. We want to be tolerant. We want to be, you know, kind. Tolerance is not love, as Bill Cosby says. Love is telling them to go to bed early, get up early, do your homework, do your studies, dress nicely. Care. Caring is the only daring as the Bible makes clear all the way through. 
If you care enough to teach your kids to be media-wise and you've got all the tools, you won't have to worry about the EDD and losing their faith. So it's up to you. You've got the tools. We're going to... We only have one of the culture-wise family back there. I'm sorry. We'll probably keep it for the next service just to show people. Two free weekly newsletters that tell you... Now, remember, don't go to Movie Guide if you want something liberal. We are the most conservative. Not because we're politically conservative, but because we want to protect the eyes of innocence. And many people say, oh, we don't need to protect our children. Even the children think we should protect the children. If the children think they should protect the children, if the children say, mommy, it's yucky... Why are we shoving it down their throat? It's like saying, why? Just try this cigarette. Try this drink. Keep trying it until you get used to it. Is that what we want to do with our children? Just try it. You just watch Hangover. You'll love it. Mommy, I don't like this. Mommy, I'm scared. Why are we doing this? Hollywood impacts your church. Now your church can impact Hollywood. Receive more information, get on our mailing list free. Be, pray for us as we work in Hollywood and give us support. Sign up. This is for the free, free, everything's free. You know, fill out the card at the back because the Templeton Foundation wants to know what you thought of the teaching sermon, and we're here to help you. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. And I think we're right on time, as a matter of fact. God bless you. I hope you've appreciated this very, very much. The impact of the next generation is our responsibility, and we want you to take that seriously. Dr. Bear does have a table right outside these doors. He normally comes at a uh, speaking fee, but he's agreed to be able to come this morning to be on our behalf for an uh, approval offering. So on your way out the door, there's some handsome gentlemen.